What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by Seth Ott. We are back. We are socially constipated. This is Gridiron Grunts. We are here to talk NFL. Week 5 is in the books. We are going into week 6 now of the season. A lot of things starting to take shape. A lot of storylines out there. A lot of games to recap. It's our first bye week, but still 14 games to preview for this weekend's slate. Lots of shit to get into, so we're going to fire right into it. I have, uh, there was actually a chic tweet about football this weekend that I did want to read off really quick. Oh, shit. Let's get into a chic tweet. I call you a punk. So this last week, a big storyline in the NFL was a lot of missed kicks, primarily in the Green Bay-Cincinnati game. There was five missed kicks, but there was also a lot more throughout the NFL. Iron Sheik was commenting about that, so he said, I drink a cold beer every time a a jabroni kicker miss a kick today, and I'm still standing. I am the legend of the earth for a reason, Bubba. (laughs) God, if I had done that, I would have been fucking dead. Yeah, it's a lot of beers. It was weird. The missed kick bug was certainly out there. Yeah. Iron Sheik seeing some bad special teams and getting shit-faced on Sheik tweets. I call you a punk. Before we jump into our game recaps, I want to remind folks to head out to sociallyconstipatedpod.com. So where you're going to find all of our social media profiles, all the episodes. You can click the link in the description box here to comment on this episode specifically. You can also join our mailing list and click the button to become an anchor wanker. Wanker. Kick us a couple bucks a month. Keep the show going and growing. Appreciate the supporters out there already. And we are about to reward you with a week five recap. We're talking every game. That just happened. That just happened. Did we win? I want to start by saying I was very good on Pigskin Pick'em this week. <laughs> I had 10, I had 11 out of the 16 games correct. Nice. So I climbed back into the rankings. Kyle leads the way. And right behind him, Dan, followed by Seth. And then me, Brett, and Tyler right behind. And then we got a new new competitor, Underestimated Ravens, in the uh, seventh spot, which not necessarily an indicator of how you performed this week, but we've all got more games that we've picked. So if you guys are looking to join as well in the description box for this episode, you will find the pigskin pick'em as well. So come join the party and lose to me. So looking back at week five, we started off things on Thursday night in Seattle. Rams came to town and beat the Seahawks 26 to 17. They did cover the 1.5 point spread. Pretty nice bounce back game for the Rams after loss after the home loss against Arizona last weekend. We were saying this is a must win for the Rams, and they went and got it done. Matt Stafford threw for 365 yards and a touchdown, did have one interception. Daryl Henderson, 82 yards on the ground and a score. Sony Michelle added another touchdown. Robert Woods, Bobby Trees, mm-hmm. uh, all he needed was for Seth to bench him in fantasy, and he went off. 12 catches, 150 yards. Notably, Aaron Donald in this game sacks Russell Wilson. He now is the Rams franchise leader in career sacks. So, shouts out to AD. I mentioned before Russell Wilson. He actually exits this game with a finger injury. We've since found out he's going to be missing significant time. He is on IR now. Geno Smith stepped in to replace him. Each of those guys threw for a touchdown and a pick in this one. DK Metcalf got off here, and and this is not something I called because 
Last year, Jalen Ramsey really shut him down, but this time Metcalf, five catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Not much ground game to speak of, but Alex Collins led the way with 47 yards. This is, this is an interesting point because I think for the first time in several years, I can say in week six, the Seahawks season is over. They are now three games behind the Cardinals who lead the division, and they have the loss to the Rams and they're two games behind them. They're going to have to go to the Rams, and they still have to play Arizona twice, I believe, without Russell Wilson. So unless Geno Smith has something that nobody else has seen before, I don't think the Seahawks are – I'm taking them off of my playoff threat list, which I'm very happy to do because fuck Seattle. For the Rams, they get back on track here. The offense had, I think, like 300 yards in the second half. This game was 7-3 to at half, and the Rams came out and and got it done after the break. So, Seth, I think this is one of those where we can can definitely say that the Rams underperformed in Week 5 and are hopefully back on track – after this win, Seattle, it, it feels, do you agree or disagree that their season is, is effectively over after this loss and, and losing Wilson? Yeah, it's hard to say like the season's over after week five because we've seen weirder things happen. Giants won a season, won, won the Super Bowl after finishing eight and eight. But in terms of that division, it's pretty safe to say it's a two, two-team race right now because um, you know you look at the 49ers and Garoppolo's hurt, Lance is hurt, like that that team's in a little bit of a mess and injury bug like we talked about in the past like if that team's hurt they're not super deep it's going to be tough i think we can you know definitely say the division is up to two teams right now i would tend to agree with you I, if i was leaning one way i would say the seahawks probably aren't, aren't making the playoffs and they were my fourth team in that division i think really to begin with but it's tough when you lose russell wilson he's one of the best players in the nfl and he gives like we've talked about like that team goes as far as Russell Wilson takes them. And if he's not on the field, which honestly, he's never missed a game. So we didn't expect that to happen. But, you know, that team is going to go as far as he can take them. And who knows how he even plays when he comes back. So he's out. Chris Carson's out. I mean, Geno Smith kind of added a little bit of a spark towards the end of that game for them. Uh, he looks pretty yeah, he good, actually, at times. But I can't I can't expect, you know, that team with Geno Smith to be a real contender unless maybe he surprises some people like Mariota did last year. But I kind of doubt that. The defense has still been pretty bad. Tough for the Seahawks, but I, I don't think they make the playoffs. Rams looked a lot better. I don't even know that necessarily like they had the week before. Yes, they didn't play amazing, but they played the Cardinals, and they're a tough team. And so Cardinals are, it's hard to say, but probably the best team in football, and um, or at least one of the top two. So I just think the Cardinals had their number that day, but the Rams are one of the easily one of the top five teams, I think, though. I tend to agree, and uh, you're going to see the record start to expand. Rams going into a few weeks in a row uh, against losing teams. So that two-horse race in the West is going to be very, very fun. A lot of fun. It was not very fun. I, Seth, completely forgot this game was happening, and when (laughs) I found out, I did not care. Uh, London, early morning game. Falcons uh, were the quote-unquote home team (laughs) against the Jets, and the Brits got to see Atlanta get their second win of the season, 27-20 to 20 yeah. over the Jets. They do cover the spread, the Falcons, that is. Uh, this game was boring as fuck. Nobody yeah. watched it. There wasn't any takeaways. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, good for you, Falcons. Uh, way to get win number two. Yeah, both teams stink. When Cordell Patterson is your best player on the team. Actually, the one, one thing that I did like seeing out of that game, Kyle Pitts had a monster game. He did. Um, and he looked like the number four overall pick in this one probably but not by choice uh because they were missing calvin ridley cordell patterson has been their second best receiver and best running back on that team still blows my mind but good to see him playing well uh bright future for him but 
other than that, Zach Wilson's bad. Jets are bad. Falcons are bad. I played against Kyle Pitts in my fantasy, so that sucked. We moved to Cincinnati. This was a incredibly Crazy. entertaining game. Holy shit. The Bengals lose. They fall th- to 3-2 and two to the Green Bay Packers, who get their fourth win of the season in overtime on a walk-off kick by Mason Crosby. 25-22 to was the final score. So if you had the Packers minus 3.5 like me, you got hooked. So the Bengals were the winning pick in in pigskin pick them this week. Aaron Rodgers in this one, 344 yards, two touchdowns, did have one interception. Aaron Jones had 100 yards on the ground. Devontae Adams, 11 catches, 206 yards, and a touchdown. I'm going to have a question for you uh, about Adams in a second, Seth. But uh, pretty well-rounded offense. You know, the Rodgers, Jones, Adams trio is, is one of the tops in the league, and they all did their thing. On the other side, Joe Burrow, 281 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Really, he he looked for the vast majority of this game. He was going toe-to-toe with Rodgers, and it was mm-hmm. very fun to see. Samaj P. Ryan was the leading rusher, 59 yards, and Jamar Chase, who was on my fantasy team, six <laughs> catches, 159 yards, and a touchdown. I think five games in, we got to start calling this kid a superstar, man. Uh, he We were talking before uh, we started the podcast about rookie of the year candidates on the offensive side, and Chase has got to be on that short list. Yeah. Um, another incredible game. I think a touchdown in every game so far this year. I think he's got five. He might even have six total on the year. Wildly entertaining game. If you've heard this talked about before, it's probably because of all the missed kicks. I think there were five missed kicks in the fourth quarter and overtime. Packers got the final chance, and Crosby hits like a 49-yarder, a 40-yarder to finally win the game. Joe Burrow impressed me a lot in this game. He did make some young quarterback mistakes in some key times that were really unfortunate to see. Burrow, who's now dealing with an injury to his throat, hopefully he's not going to miss too much time, if any. Uh, I think they're hoping his voice will hold up. The only position in football that matters, your voice, is is quarterback. So we will see. But Bengals, I think, are on a really positive track at 3-2. and two. And for the Packers to go on the road, a ton of people at the game, big, loud crowd against the young, tough team, to, to win ugly in this game in the end uh, is a pretty nice win for Green Bay. My Devontae Adams question is this. Rodgers threw for 344 and 206 were to Adams. Adams had 11 catches out of the 27 completions for Rodgers. At what point do we start getting concerned about them relying too much on Adams? Is is he so talented it doesn't matter? Or is this the kind of thing where if you're the Packers, you should be thinking, can we spread this thing out a little more? Because this one guy is doing so much of the work. I mean, they've made it to the last two Super Bowls with the same thing. And probably less talent, honestly. Randall Cobb is 30, but... He's, you know, not a slouch by any means. So, yeah, they can keep doing it. Devontae Adams is the best receiver by football and it, in football, and it might not be close. Probably isn't close. Like, he is, I mean, he gets double covered a lot and is still able to get open because he's definitely the best route runner in football. He's extremely sure-handed, runs, I think he runs a 4-4-40. Like, he's a freak, and he keeps doing it over and over and over and over and over again. He's, he's gone up against the best cornerbacks in the league and made them look silly. He's that good, and so it doesn't really matter. Barring him being hurt, and even the weeks that he does get, like, he's hurt and plays through it, he's still a freak. Like, best receiver in football, and it doesn't really matter. This week, Randall Cobb came up with a pretty big play to 
his play ended where they kicked the game winner from in overtime, mm-hmm. I, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a huge play. It was great to see. He only had two catches, but that one was major. Yeah. I'm loving seeing Cobb in the mix mm-hmm. uh, these last think, couple of weeks. And I think he had two scores the week before. So, like, he's been involved. Yeah, would it be nice for them? And I'm sure Rodgers would like for them to, you know, gotten someone like Julio or something like that, and they're like an actual, you know, another stud. But you really don't need much more when you have Devontae Adams. So I don't think it's an issue. I really don't. What What I think is the biggest issue for that team, though, likely not having Jair Alexander for the rest of the season and he's becoming one of the best corners in football and I mean you saw it this week Jamar Chase just absolutely lit them up Alexander would have been on if he played the game probably would have been wouldn't have been quite as close that's a bummer for that defense that which is already hurting um, and didn't have a lot of talent to begin with and losing one of the best corners in football is uh is tough so that'll be the bigger thing for them moving forward if you look at the the probable playoff teams in the NFC can be some really good wide receivers coming at you if you're Green Bay. So yeah, you're right. That is a big loss. Did you catch enough of this to get a good look at Burrow? This this was maybe mm-hmm. the most I've watched of him, and I was so impressed. Like I said, mm-hmm. he made a couple of rookie mistakes, but you got to be encouraged to see kind of the growth and really this entire Bengals team. I think they're a lot closer than we thought to being really competitive. Yeah, I mean Joe Burrow is he is incredible. He plays really tough, and he plays kind of recklessly which is you know not not smart <laughs> at this stage in his career he reminds me a bit of like Favre and the fact that he just kind of lets it go and he has talent around I mean he has a very very talented receiving core you know led by Jamar Chase obviously who he has a ton of chemistry with but I've been impressed with him since he was in college and was really excited to see him come out and play well last year and he's playing even better this year he's going to be one of those guys I think for years to come that has talked about it in the top probably in the top 10 or so in the league um, as we kind of start to see some of this old guard kind of move out, like Rodgers and eventually Brady, whenever that happens, Roethlisberger, guys like that. I think he'll be a guy that probably brings the Bengals to new heights and is talked about as one of the guys um, in the NFL, I think. I totally agree with you. Sky's the limit for this kid, as long as they can get a fucking offensive line to keep him on his feet. Bright future in Cincinnati, which has not been the case for a while. So hope that trajectory continues. Let's go now to Minnesota. Ooh, I bet you were sweating in this one, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) The Vikings get a home win over the Detroit Lions, 19-17. to This one, I think, closer, certainly closer than we thought. Uh, I had Minnesota, or no, I had Detroit plus 7.5, and and so that was a winner. But uh, Vikes do get the dub. 275 yards from Kirk Cousins, a touchdown and a pick. Alexander Madison was doing his best Dalvin Cook impression. He had 25 carries, 113 yards. He also had seven catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. So nice game for Madison, giving Cook an opportunity to get healthy and hopefully come back soon. Justin Jefferson had seven catches for 124 yards. He was all over the place. So nice game for the Minnesota offense, even though they seem to struggle to get it into the end zone. The yardage was certainly there. On the Lions side of things, Goff had 203 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. Jamal Williams was a leading rusher, 57 yards. Then DeAndre Swift had 51 and a touchdown. The end of this game, I am glad it turned out the way that it did, Seth. I was I was catching the end of it. Detroit scores a touchdown late in the fourth, and they're down a point. And they say, leave Jared Goff and the offense out there. We're going for two. We're winning this thing in regulation. They get the two, go up 17 to 16, 
and the Lions fans are going fucking crazy. I'm going crazy. Yes, Jared Goff is going to get a signature win. And then the Vikings just got a couple of plays and kicked a field goal <laughs> to win it. So I, I will admit I was I was rooting a little bit for Detroit late in this one. The Vikes do get the game winner from Greg Joseph. So two and three now. Maybe a little close for comfort here, Seth, but they get the win at home. So you got to be encouraged by that at least. I mean, and, and this one, the Vikings had control of this game pretty much the entire time. It just... They kind of lost it towards the end. So that was, you know, that was a bummer to see, you know, impressive drive at the end by Kirk Cousins and a couple big plays by Thielen obviously had, gave him the win here and was not, was not certain that kick was going to go through to be entirely honest with Joseph. He had, hit, I think he had hit a 50 yarder earlier in the game and he's actually weirdly more accurate from deep than he is up close. Because I think he'd missed a shorter field goal earlier in the game, too. But, uh, yeah, de- I mean, uh, up until that last drive, the defense had played really well once again. A lot of pressure. Everson Griffin is playing like he played, you know, a few years ago. Um, he's getting he's getting a lot of pressure, getting some sacks. Barr was back or will be back this week. So they're starting to get healthier on the defense and getting some people back. Offensively, Justin Jefferson is playing out of his mind. The last couple of weeks, he's been really good. I don't know. It's it is the Lions, and the Lions have been playing a lot of teams really tough, but uh, obviously a win's a win, and can't complain because a lot of these uh, last second wins have slipped out of our fingers the last uh, several <laughs> weeks uh, this this season so far. So it was good to maybe this was a, a tide turner, and they'll uh, start winning some of those close games in the end, especially in a home game. Good to get the buzzer beater. You mentioned Anthony Barr. He was back in this one. Had three tackles. Four sacks in this one. Two by Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter, and uh, DJ Wanham had the fourth as Wanham, well. So Wanham, this, Wanham. <laughs> this uh, Minnesota defense starting to flex. They're getting lots of pressure, which is good. That's something they missed last year because last year they didn't. They you know let Everson Griffin go, and then Hunter was hurt. So Wanham was actually the best uh, pass rusher they had, and he was a rookie. So good to have Griffin and Hunter back and able to rotate Wanham in and out. I think that's pretty big for that the the ends there because uh, they have a good rotation going. They're moving Hunter all around both sides and getting kind of creative with the, they're not having to blitz a lot and they're able to keep people in coverage. So that's been good. I think it's been a good change and probably made Zimmer a little happier <laughs> with, with the defense. I don't know if you saw though there's an interaction between Cousins and Zimmer at the end of the game. Did you happen to see this? No, I didn't. Tell me more. They had that drive. Cousins comes down and makes a couple of nice passes to Thielen, and they kick the field goal. And so the the field goal goes through, and Cousins goes up to Zimmer and like grabs him by his collar. There's some pictures online actually. Um, grabs Zimmer by his collar and screams at him, "You like that?" And no Zimmer, way. Zimmer was kind of startled by it, uh, and then like pushed him back and stuff. Like after like he kind of was you know gate, regained his composure, pushed him back, and I was like excited too. But Zimmer's definitely not like that type of guy. Much more, I mean, he gets mad when plays don't go the way he wants, like when there's like bad calls or whatever. But when it comes to like field goals and stuff, he'll like, yeah, he'll clap or, you know, whatever. He doesn't fucking get emotional at all. That was kind of, it was an interesting, like a lot of people were speculating that they, you know, and I think it's, they've kind of publicly had a little bit of a beef, especially with Kirk Cousins and the vaccination thing. But they, they kind of downplayed it afterwards. And like Thielen, I heard him on McAfee's show today, and he was talking about how the team all loved it. And were you know, they, they said they want to see Zimmer and Kirk more fired up because they, they're more typically, res, you know, reserved people in most in most situations. So teams playing it off pretty well. But interesting moment between those two. Um, their relationship has kind of changed a lot this season. We'll see if the Vikings can keep stringing some wins together. Heartbreaking for the Lions. The Lions yeah. are, I think, the first team in NFL history to lose 17-19 to 19 two weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah, and, and lose by last-second field goals. 
Uh, that, yeah. Last last second 50-yard field goals two weeks in a row. Got a feel for the Lions. 0-5 now, but they've been competitive. So we'll see. Uh, but this is not a winless team. There are worse teams in the league. So better days ahead for Detroit. Let's go to Washington and the football team, the <laughs> losers at home, 22-33, to the Saints came in and got the win. They get to three and two. Washington is now two and three. And I have said it before. I will likely say it several times again before the end of the season, Seth. What the fuck, Saints? I, I just don't get it. Jameis Winston had his, I think this was his high for yardage on the season, 279 oh, yeah. yards, four touchdowns and a pick <laughs> in this one. Alvin Kamara finally was fantasy football Alvin Kamara that you drafted in this yep. one. 71 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Also five catches, 51 yards, and a touchdown through the air. Marquez Callaway had 85 yards and two scores. Deontay Harris had a pretty sick 72-yard touchdown catch from Winston. Not a ton of yards, but a bunch of touchdowns and only 15 completions. So he's 15 of 30. Weird. Very weird. On the Washington side of things, Taylor Heineke was bad in this one. 20 of 41, 248 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Antonio Gibson got his, though, 60 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Uh, He also caught two balls for 12 yards. Adam Humphreys, (laughs) I I forgot he was around. Three catches, 73 yards, was the leading receiver. Quiet game for Scary Terry, only four for 46. I think his lowest output of the season against a pretty good Saints defense. We've been talking about the Saints, Seth, as a 500-ish team, and I I think we're going to continue to see shit like this. Uh, Against Mm -hmm. a a Washington team that is clearly not a contender, they're going to lose to good teams, though. And and for Washington, if the Saints are a 9-8 team, I think Washington is an eight and nine team or maybe a game below that. So Saints get the win here. I still don't think I know anything about New Orleans, but they are three and two. Did you learn anything watching this one? I think they need to learn to keep throwing the ball to Kamara because I think it has adds something to that offense, but adds another threat. Just seeing him get the ball and, and he, when you throw in the ball, he gets the ball in space. And that, like we talked about last week, that's when he's the most dangerous. When he has the ball in space and has room to, to run, that's when he's most dangerous. He makes guys miss, probably at that point, the most electric and open field guy in the NFL. For up until this point, they haven't allowed him to do that. So I think that's the way this offense needs to move is get him the ball in space, throw him the ball, make him a dual threat on the ground through the air, and you're going to be able to see this offense open up a little bit a little bit more. They're going to get Michael Thomas back here uh, in, in a few weeks, I think, potentially after their bye, I think. So that's only going to help. I mean, like you said, I still think they're a 500 team. If they want to, you know, maybe take an, an, a step forward and, you know, try and compete for a wild card spot, uh, that's what they're going to have to do, I think, on offense is, is make Alvin Kamara do what he does best and not keep him limited uh, with, with the plays they're calling for him. Defense is still playing really well, though. Maybe not quite as uh, dominant as they have been in the past, but still very, very good. Washington, talking about defense, they're one of the worst defenses in the league, and that's not something we expected coming into the season. They have tons of playmakers in that defense. Again, Chase Young and and Montez Sweater, a couple of the uh, best pass rushers in the league, but they haven't been that this year. Landon Collins has been a disappointment for them. Like, that team in general, the defense in general, has just been has been bad, just straight up bad. And 
that they that defense needed needed to be great for them to be a playoff team. I think we're pretty much to the point unless they make a crazy turnaround, I don't see happening, especially since I don't think they played the Cowboys yet. They're definitely not making the playoffs and they'll be a bottom half team for sure. Offensively, they've still played I mean, yes, Heineke had a down week, but that offense has still played relatively well this season. That hasn't been their issue. Like if the offense played to this level and the defense played to the level they're playing at last year, then we would be talking about them as a contender. But that's not what we've been seeing this year. So it's a disappointment for Washington for sure. You know, we'll see if maybe they can get someone else at quarterback next year and maybe get a couple more defenders in there. They have a lot of pieces on that team to be successful. They just, some of the pieces that they brought in this year haven't worked. So yeah, disappointment for them. I think the Saints are what they, you know, obviously they're confusing, but they are what they are, which is a team that's going to float around 500. Yeah, Washington could be one of those teams where if they do finish with a top 10 draft pick, maybe it's an opportunity to grab that franchise quarterback and really start making this into a a long-term competitive team. But it doesn't seem like this is going to be the year, but, you know, stranger things. Here's a strange (laughs) thing. I was so disappointed, Seth, as I'm sure you were. Carolina, our Panthers fall to 3-2. and At home, they lose to the Philadelphia Eagles somehow. 18-21 to was the score. So the Eagles get the win on the road here. Jalen Hurts, I think it was a down game for Hurts, but he, you know, he gets a dub. 198 yards passing, no touchdowns, one pick, and he had 30 yards on the ground, but he scored two touchdowns. Miles Sanders was the lead rusher with 45 yards, and Devontae Smith, who I believe last week had a pretty nice game too, yeah. uh, seven He's catches for 77. Getting some production out of the rookie here is pretty nice. On the Carolina side, Adam Gase maybe was pretty excited to see this, but everyone else was, I think, surprised and disappointed. A terrible game from Sam Darnold. 21 of 37, 177 yards. He had one touchdown but three picks, and they were ugly. Chuba Hubbard in relief of CMC had 100 yards on the ground. And DJ Moore, five catches, 42. I know this was his lowest production of the season because I finally played him. Carolina offense that was you know, moving along pretty well, seemed to hit a wall here against a not a very good Philly defense. So I don't know if it's the lack of... um, Philly does have a good defense statistically this year. (laughs) They had a bad week, I think the week before against the Chiefs, obviously, but they've actually been a pretty good defense this year. I I guess I need to update my my assumptions on Philly. They put the clamps on Carolina here, and I don't know if it's the lack of CMC or the poor play from Darnold, but this did not look like the Carolina that we've seen in the last few weeks. So Maybe credit does go more to Philly, but like we talked about a second ago with Washington, I don't think Philly is going to be anywhere near winning that East. Dallas playing as well as they are. Carolina, you know, not the worst thing for them to fall to three and two, but this is a win I think they expected to have. Is your confidence shaken at all in our Panthers? Um, (laughs) And does this tell you anything additional about the Eagles or you pretty much stay in pad on them? I do think the Eagles are a better team than we gave them credit for coming into the season. I think Jalen Hurts has played actually pretty well. He didn't have a ton of passing yards, but he's been a lot more functional in the passing game than he was for the couple of games he started last year. You mentioned Devontae Smith. He's been really good this year. I think he's only had one one kind of quote-unquote down week, but otherwise he's been really solid for them. So it's good to see a guy that you know a lot of people considered you know too small for the NFL be a number one receiver so far. Eagles defense has played well. Like you said, it's it's t- it's going to be tough for them to to make the playoffs based off of that division and probably or at least the Cowboys in that division. You know the wild card spots. There's a lot of good NFC teams, but you know I don't think they're too far off, honestly. And I don't know what they need necessarily. A couple more pieces on defense, maybe a, an actual running game because they don't run at all besides Hurts. 
I, I kind of like the Eagles. I, I like what I've like, like what I've seen out of them. The Panthers. That's interesting because last week when they lost, it wasn't on Darnold. Like Darnold played well. Played well. It was more on the defense. And now the defense wasn't able to stop Hurts this week. So I think that defense is only going to get better because they are getting Stephon Gilmore, which was a big trade uh, for them. And they already traded for Cam Anderson or Henderson from the Jaguars, who was one of their first round picks in the last couple of years. Played well, but they were just they got rid of him as like kind of a fire sale type thing. And then they'll get J.C. Horn back. So that defense is very, very good, and it should only get better. Um, just maybe a down week for them. I do think they're missing McCaffrey quite a bit. The most versatile player in the NFL, and I don't think that's very close. He'd be the best receiver on a lot of teams, and he'd be the best running back on a lot of teams. So he can do it all, and he adds a level to the offense that not many other teams have, and he makes that offense unpredictable. And while Chuba Hubbard ran for 100 yards this week, he doesn't have the passing game involvement. So the Eagles kind of let them run the ball and, you know, find success that way, but kind of shut down the passing game. So I think when McCaffrey comes back, we'll start to see that offense click again. It's not going to be all on Darnold's shoulders. Uh, I just hope that McCaffrey does not come back this week. <laughs> you got to, going against him in fantasy, uh, <laughs> not hoping to see him in the lineup. Or if, against the Vikings. <laughs> oh, that too. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> I think when you look at Philly and Carolina, these two teams at their best, certainly in that wild card conversation. So we'll see if they can put that together. Jalen Hurts quietly having a really nice start to the year too. So He's better than I thought he would be, honestly. I was not very high on him, but he's played really, really well. And I think he is, at the very least, given himself, unless he completely falls off this season, I think he's given himself at least one more season in Philly. I would agree. I think you gotta you gotta continue to roll him out, especially the way the league is going. You know, what are you gonna do? Draft a six foot six white guy mm-hmm. from college, or right. are you gonna play the guy that looks like Kyler Murray and <laughs> Lamar Jackson and right. all, like all these other guys? Because yeah, they're not gonna. I mean, you know, if they keep playing like they're playing, I, I could totally see them be a you know five hundred team, and that's not gonna be a high enough pick for them to get a you know, a top quarterback this year. So, you know, they're going to have to stick with Hurts, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Give them a chance to fill in some of the other gaps they've got, and they've got a couple. Let's go to Jacksonville. Saxonville. If you were like me, you got you got an easy one here. The Titans get the win over the Jags, 37-19. to They do cover the four-and-a-half-point spread, which I still think was a laughable spread to begin with. Derrick Henry, 130 more yards on the ground on 29 carries. We said it last week. The the durability is concerning if it's anybody besides Derrick Henry. He see, only seems to get stronger the more they give him the rock. He leads the league in rushing by a mile, and he had three touchdowns in this one. He was my number four overall pick in our fantasy league, which is why I always love spending time on Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill did what he needed to do here, 197 yards through the air, one touchdown. A.J. Brown was back after missing uh, a week, three catches, 38 in his return. On the Jags side of things, not much. Trevor Lawrence had 273, a touchdown, and a pick. James Robinson, though, we said before when they drafted Travis Etienne, why? You have a, you already have such a stud Stunned, in this yeah. backfield. And James Robinson said, I'm still here. He had 18 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown. He caught one ball, but for no yards. He was the entirety of the offense this week. Some guy named Dan Arnold was the top receiver, six catches, 64 yards. He's actually – he's a – tight end and he's actually uh i think he's a higher draft pick he's played really well for them since he i think he got traded recently to them oh yeah panther he was on the panthers i knew i had seen the name yeah cj henderson that's okay yeah i was right so cj henderson was the cornerback that they traded for he was a former first round pick for dan arnold 
and I think a pick as well. And yeah, Dan Arnold has played really well. Not much to say about the Jags. Uh, they fall to 0-5. They're still dealing with the Urban Meyer shit, which that'll probably continue for a bit. Titans 3-2. and They are still in the front of the AFC South, but that's not a really impressive division right now. Jags are obviously in the bargain basement, Seth, but with Tennessee, you still like them as your favorite in that division. Uh, I know you're not incredibly optimistic on them as a as a contender for the Super Bowl, but you got to think they're going to get to the playoffs. If the Colts were to pull off the win on Monday night, I would have I would say Colts might be a top contender, but one and four is going to be tough to come back from. And I think the Titans are talented enough to to win. Titans are talented enough on offense to win any game, especially like hand the ball to Derrick Henry. 30 times and you're probably going to have the ball for most of the game and that always helps and they also have been unhealthy like brown just came back but wasn't really a full go julio probably be back this week probably won't be a full go so i I, you know they really haven't all been together on offense since the season started and again i think they could win any game that they're in but they just haven't looked great this year and they're not going into most of their games as favorites like they have in the last year or two so they're probably my favorites to win the division, but I could totally see them being a first round out in the playoffs, wild card mm-hmm. weekend. There could be some very good wild card teams in the AFC as well. So I, I think that makes sense as a prediction. We predicted that Houston would cover. They had nine and a half points at home, and they did cover. They still lost 22 to 25 against the New England Patriots. This was a weird game. I think we're going to save some time on this one. Uh, these are bad teams. Like, the Texans were up in this game at one point, uh, 22 to 15. Uh, I think it was even 22 to 9 at one point. And Mac Jones, to his credit, leads the comeback and gets the win late with the field goal. Jones was 231 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Hunter Henry had the biggest receiving game, six catches, 75, and a score. Damian Harris had 58 yards on the ground and a touchdown. For the Texans, Davis Mills was doing it in the in, in in this one. He had 312 yards, three touchdowns on 21 of 29. So really nice game for Mills. Uh, disappointing to not get the win, obviously. Chris Moore was the top receiver, five catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Houston was in control of this the entire way. Patriots climbed their way back in, end up tying it, then get the field goal late to win it. If I'm the page, if I if you're the Patriots, if you're a Patriots fan, you're not allowed to clap about this one. Like, shut up, your team's bad. Houston stinks, New England stinks. I I think the Patriots will like shock a couple of teams along the way, but this is I don't maybe they're a playoff team. I doubt it. They're certainly not in my Super Bowl bubble right now. Yes, they get the win here, but even just by being down twenty two to nine against Houston, like you're off of my list. It's weird. You know, they have a good defense even without Gilmore. Like they haven't had Gilmore all year, and they they've. Even last year, they didn't have Gilmore, and they played well at defense. But I would agree with you. I probably wouldn't put them in the playoffs this year based off what I've seen so far. Maybe Mac Jones you know, keeps taking steps forward because he hasn't played terrible. And he played pretty well against the Bucs uh, last Sunday night, too, in the second half. So he's had moments, and he's looked good at times. But uh, the heavy investment in some of the uh, offensive players that they brought in hasn't been the best investment, You know, considering they brought in a bunch of second and third wide receivers on teams. Uh, and then a couple of uh, stud tight ends that 
when you have two great tight ends, you probably don't have any at this point. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's been a weird season for the for the Patriots. I thought they would be better, but they haven't looked great so far. I mean, the Texans are bad, so really not much to say there. It sounds like Tyrod will be back in, uh, in a week or two, so that'll be good for them. Pretty competitive uh, with him out there, so maybe they you know shock a couple teams throughout the season with some of the veterans they have. But yeah, neither of these teams are going to be teams we're talking about come January, I don't think. Best player on the Patriots is the kicker, Nick Folk, who was four for four on field goals this week. If you're kicking four field goals against Texans, you got to take a look in the mirror. Let's go to Pittsburgh. Uh, The Steelers get their second win of the season. They get to two and three by beating the Denver Broncos 27 to 19. I really liked Denver in this one, but the Steelers go ahead and get it done in front of the home crowd. Ben Roethlisberger had 253 yards, two touchdowns. I think notably, Seth, 15 of 25. A lot less attempts from Roethlisberger than we've seen in recent weeks. Najee Harris, the rookie, 23 carries out of the backfield. So you can sense that they made a change here offensively, whether it was for the matchup or because of how Big Ben has performed. But they're really leaning on Harris now. He had 122 yards on those 23 carries and a touchdown. Also caught two balls for 20 yards. Chase Claypool was the top receiver, five catches, 130 yards, and a score. Deontay Johnson at 72 and a score. Juju Smith-Schuster goes down in this game, out for the season, we just heard today. So he hadn't been making a ton of noise in this offense, but obviously from a, a you know an experienced leadership standpoint, they're, they're going to miss him this year, probably going to be exiting Pittsburgh after this season. Questions to answer for the Steelers, but they get the second win. Denver loses their second straight. Teddy Bridgewater did return after being concussed the prior week. He had 288 yards, two scores, did throw a pick, rare for Teddy, but Cortland Sutton had maybe his best game of the year. Seven catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. I think he was in Seth's fantasy lineup, so you got to love seeing that. And then Javante yeah. Williams, 61 yards on the ground, was the leading rusher. We've been very excited about Denver. I still really like Denver, but I think we've seen more of what they are these last two weeks. And maybe Teddy was still dealing with some residual symptoms. I don't know. So we'll see in future weeks if Denver is as real as we hoped they were two weeks ago. I don't think this means Pittsburgh is great. I think, you know, they get a win at home. Awesome. We'll see what they continue to change offensively. But Big Ben, everybody in the league knows Big Ben is a liability right now. The defense was was big in this one for Pittsburgh. They get two sacks on Bridgewater and forced four punts and got an interception. So defense stepped up. Offense did just enough revolving around Harris instead of Roethlisberger. So I'm decreasing Denver a couple points, but I'm not giving the Steelers any extra ones after this one. Pretty much agree with everything you said there. Uh, I still think Big Ben is broken. He looked better in this one, but not great. Najee Harris is awesome, though. He's looked fantastic. In Pittsburgh, they had Le'Veon Bell for a while, who was the offense for the longest time like he was the focal point passing game running game that's what Najee Harris has been and he might end up being better he looks like an actual running back back there not someone who's you know hesitating and just sitting there waiting for a hole to open like he he's hitting the hole he's running over people he's running around people he's stiff arming people like he he is a fun fun player to watch so it'll be cool cool to see him develop in that offense moving forward they did lose Juju for the season, so he'll, I'm sure he'll get more targets. He's gotten, like, I think 12 and 14 targets the last couple weeks, respectively, in each game, plus, you know, 20-some carries on the ground this last week. So, yeah, it's crazy. Crazy to see what he's doing. He's, I think he's the focal point of that offense at this point. Defensively, they played a little better. You know, still not great. I know they're still a little banged up and getting trying to get healthier. But, again, I don't think the Steelers are, you know, honestly, in that division. I think they're the third-best team. Probably fourth best team. I, I I'd say fourth. I really would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the Broncos, they're. Cl- I mean, we knew 
you know, they're not going to be a real contender. They've played tough and they've played fun football to watch actually. Like when, with, with Teddy, like he's actually kind of like we talked about, he's, he's aired it out a little bit. Cortland Sutton's been fun to watch that the two running backs they have Williams and Gordon have been fun defensively. They played well, but and they're not getting blown out or anything like that. It's just, they're, they're not quite there. And I, you know, I don't, I love Teddy, but I don't know if he's, you know, the type of guy that's going to be a franchise quarterback. Unfortunately, he's kind of been more of a journeyman and he's been, you know, the, I guess what you'd call a game manager, which I don't really like that term, but played well, but I, you know, he's not, they had Aaron Rodgers like there was that rumor earlier in the season, completely different story. They'd be an amazing team, but he's doing all he can, I think, at this point. So, yeah, like you said, I probably again, probably two teams that aren't playoff teams. I think we've known this about the Denver offense. Early in the third, they went down uh, 24 to 6. And that's you can't get down by that if you're Denver. This offense isn't going to score quickly enough to get you back into yeah. a game. They scored twice in the fourth quarter to make it close, but you gotta you gotta come out early and get on top if you're going to win on this Broncos team. I think so. They'll, they'll continue to be competitive, but yeah, I, I would agree. I don't have them in my playoff, especially because of the division that they're in right now. Holy shit, it's a good one. Tampa, we can be quick on this one. They get the win at home Ooh. and cover their 10.5 point spread, 45-17 to 17 over the Dolphins. 4-1 and one are Tampa. The Dolphins are now 1-4. and four. Tom Brady, listen to this fucking stat line. And let me remind you, this guy's like 48 years old. Also, before you say that stat line, hurt his thumb in the prior week or during this game his right throwing thumb i can't even play with myself with a sore thumb but tom brady with a sore thumb 30 of 41 411 yards and five count them five touchdowns doing his best Jameis winston impression in this one crazy (laughs) antonio brown got two of those seven catches 124 yards two touchdowns Yep, Brown was a great great play for you this week. Mike Evans, another good play if you had him in fantasy. Six catches, 113 yards, two touchdowns. And then Godwin had seven catches for 70. So Brown, Evans, Godwin go seven catches, six catches, seven catches. And need I remind you, Gronk is still on this team even though he was out. So a reminder that I think a lot of us did need, I did, that this is an offense that is very tough to stop because this is not a bad Miami defense. They looked bad this time, though. Leonard Fournette, 67 yards on the ground and a touchdown as well. Brady throws for five, and there and there also is a rushing touchdown. Oof, that's a long day for Miami fans. Jacoby Brissett, 275, two touchdowns and a pick. Miles Gaskin had five carries for 25 yards, but he had 10 receptions yeah. for 74 yards and two touchdowns. He was on my fantasy bench. All right. <laughs> Love that. He was the leading receiver in this one. Miami you know, whatever. This isn't a great team. I I think they're definitely not a playoff team. I think there was a world where Brissett could get them into the wild card conversation. I don't think that's happening. And Tampa definitely seems back on track after the loss to the Rams a couple of weeks ago. They get to four and one and defensively, there's some question marks, but they played well this week, but they seem to be rounding out, getting into form as the middle of the season approaches. So I, I didn't learn anything new here, Seth, other than if you still can be impressed by Tom Brady, if it's still, ha- if it's still possible, this was super impressive. I mean, I, th- I mean, yeah, I'm still impressed by him. Like at the age he's doing it, he's throwing for 400 yards and five scores and throwing it as deep as he's throwing it and making it look as effortless as he is. That's impressive. Like, it's insane what he's doing. It will never be matched again. And anytime you watch him play football, it's history at this point because he's doing shit. He's doing shit that like 25 year olds can't do. I mean, he's 20 years older than a lot of them. Like it's, it's insane what he's doing. He's been doing it for basically our entire 
football watching lives, you know, me and you specifically. It's absolutely insane what he's doing. And I, I'm still at awe watching him do what he's doing every week. Like, I think it'll be more surprising eventually if he ever does slow down. Like, if he hits that wall like all our other quarterbacks do, that'll be the more surprising thing at that point. So, Tom Brady is a freak of nature. He's one of one, best of all time, probably the best, not athlete in the traditional sense, but professional sports player, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> probably of all time, you know, it's, it's, it's nuts. And then to see like Antonio Brown at age 31, go for seven for 124 and two scores. Like they've had a couple down weeks and, you know, weeks they haven't looked great. The great teams do what they're supposed to do against bad teams and, they absolutely did it this week. This was a statement win for them. And that saying that like, hey, fuckers, we're still the Super Bowl champs. We can put up 50 against any team. So just everyone chill for a second. Just to hammer the point home on Brady, I just looked at his season averages. Average through five games, 353 yards, three touchdowns on wow. average. And that includes the Patriots game. He only had 269 yards and no touchdowns. So he is out of his fucking mind right now. Two interceptions through those five games. He threw 41 times in this game, no picks. I think that's as impressive as any other part of this. Brady's still the GOAT, probably will be for a very long time. Honestly, I don't know how anyone, like, how, how can anyone else be the GOAT? Like, I, I can't. Even if you think about Mahomes, who I think most people would agree has the best chance right now to do that. He has to um, do it for 20 years. He, yeah, he could do, Mahomes could keep his current pace for like 12 years. And if he stops then, he still won't be close to Brady. Right. Like, well, like Rodgers this week is got to fifth in passing touchdowns, I believe. And he's been, he, this is his 17th season. So he's fifth in passing touchdowns. But he didn't play for four years or three years or something like that. He might not even get to fourth by the time he's done. Mahomes, like like you said, he's going to have to play for 20 years to get even close to Brady and probably won't. We're probably going to be saying it all year, so get used to it, folks, because on this podcast, we appreciate greatness when we see it. Uh, we're not some of those fucking idiots that try to talk <laughs> shit on Brady. Uh, we are going to talk shit, though, on the Las Vegas Raiders. I picked the Raiders minus five and a half points against the Bears. That did not hit. If you got the alternative spread of the Raiders plus ten and a half points, you still fucking did not win because <laughs> the Bears... Come into Vegas and win 20 to 9. Raiders looked ugly in this one, probably because I bet for Carr to have a big game. So this may have been my fault. But they had a couple times where they got turned away at the goal line and a couple turnovers that were very ugly. So Justin Fields gets, I think is his first win as a starter. Maybe you can correct me on that one. 12 for 20, 111 yards and a touchdown. No picks on this one, which is good to see. Khalil Herbert was the leading rusher with Montgomery out. 75 yards on the ground. Damian Williams added 64 and a touchdown. Uh, expect to see more of Williams in combination with Herbert while Montgomery's gone. On the Raiders' side of things, Derek Carr, his worst performance of the year so far, 206 yards and a pick. Josh Jacobs had 40 yards, 48 yards and a touchdown. Hunter Renfro led receivers with 56 yards. This was a dumper by the Raiders. I don't want to take any credit away from the Bears' defense, Again, I feel like we're going to need to say it every week. Don't forget, this is a good Bears defense. They get after Carr here. They sacked him three times, forced four punts, and they got a pick. So Bears defense got it done, kept him in it, and Fields did enough. Bears right now 3-2, and two, uh, a game ahead of your Minnesota Vikings, a game behind Green Bay. Vegas falls to 3-2 and two as well, very much in the mix in the AFC West. I can see a world, uh, going back to something I said about two other teams earlier, I think the best versions of these two teams— might be wild in the wild card mix, 
but I don't think we're going to get the best versions of these teams because of the coaching. Matt Nagy sucks as a coach. We've found that out. They've won two games now since they took away the play calling from him. And on the Raiders side, probably the biggest news in the NFL this week, John Gruden out as coach of the Raiders following some investigative things related to the Washington football investigation. Emails uncovering. Gruden ends up resigning. Let's talk about the game first, Seth, and come back to Gruden. Did you learn anything here? Uh, and what do you think about my take that these these are maybe close to being playoff teams, but I don't see them getting there? Yeah, I'd agree. I, I don't think they're either of them are playoff teams. You know, we've been talking for a while of like when are the Raiders going to finally come back down from that that hot start? I think they're down pretty far down after what happened this week. And who knows, maybe a coaching change will help them reinvigorate that team. Before this game is when some of the first email leaks and rumors came out about John Gruden, and there was talk of that the team was basically checked out after hearing some of the stuff and didn't want Gruden to be coaching them. Obviously, on Monday night, then that'll change, and he had to resign, but rightfully so, because he's a piece of shit. But that division is tough for the Raiders, and honestly, the North, too, is, is a tougher division. But with the Chargers playing as well as they are, and, you know, yes, the Chiefs, you know, don't have a great record right now, but I think they're better than the Raiders. So I don't see the Bears ultimately like making the playoffs. Yeah, they were able to get pressure on, on Carr, but their pass defense has been atrocious this year otherwise. Fields still hasn't been impressive. He had an okay game the week before. Didn't have a great stat line this week. The full-time starter now. They, you know, he Andy Dalton has been demoted to backup. Uh, he's, I think, he's healthy now. But like we talked about, Matt Nagy's a bad coach, and I don't see Fields being the superstar that he could be with Nagy as his coach right now. We'll link to a, a New York Times story if you want more detail on John Gruden. But essentially, sending some emails where he apparently talks like a total fucking asshole for like years. And it was uncovered as part of the investigation into the workplace environment around the Washington football team, potential racism from their ownership. As a part of that, they uncovered these emails from Gruden where he's using like homophobic slurs. He was also making racist statements, which was one of the first things we saw. And he was also caught with comments around like calling the league out for trying to protect the players against concussions and things like that. And saying like that they need to get out there or they're being pussies and anti like Michael Sam being drafted by the Rams, who's the first gay player to be drafted. If you're John Gruden, if, if they weren't going to fire him for any other reason, Carl Nassib, who's a really nice player on this defense, is the only openly gay player currently in the league. And so for him to be on a team coached by Gruden must have been shitty, mm-hmm. um, especially right at the end. So just all around a shitty fucking guy, John Gruden turned out to be disappointing because we we used to be huge fans of John Gruden like his Monday night football calls were amazing and some of the things he does and says we always thought were so funny and then to find this stuff out it's so ugly and I'm glad that it was quick he ended up resigning is what they said but I'm glad that they made this move quickly and didn't drag it out I think the Urban Meyer thing is going to get uglier before it gets better and I think the Raiders may have saved I'll put in air quotes their season by getting this out of there now instead of letting it fester so uh, mm-hmm. Good on you, Vegas and the league and everyone else who got Gruden the fuck out of there. To Gruden, enjoy your irrelevance, you fucking douchebag. John Gruden is irrelevant, but you know who's not, Seth? My LA Chargers. Almost definitely the game of the week. Chargers get the win in SoFi Stadium, 47-42 to over the Cleveland Browns. This was a minus 1.5 by the Chargers, so they do cover that. Let me get you some stats from this game. Goddamn. Justin Herbert, 398 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Amazing performance by him. He made some fantastic plays even beyond those numbers. Austin Eckler uh, was huge here too. 66 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. 
also caught five for 53 and another touchdown. So three total. Mike Williams had eight catches, 165 yards, two touchdowns. Massive game for him. I played against him in fantasy, so that kind of sucked. The offense was flowing hot in this one. On the Brown side, Baker Mayfield, 305 yards, two touchdowns. Nick Chubb had 161 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt had 61 yards and two touchdowns. David Njoku was the top receiver for the Browns. Seven catches, 149, and a touchdown through the air. This was a game with 90 or 89 total points. Chargers end up getting two consecutive touchdowns to end up winning it really close to the end of the game. I'm not predicting this, but a potential AFC championship. These are te- these are two teams that will be in that mix. This was a statement game for Justin Herbert, who put up amazing numbers against a good defense and got a signature late game win that these Chargers typically lose. I'm not taking anything away from Cleveland in this game. They played incredibly against one of the top, my I think one of the top teams. And so even at three and two, I still love Cleveland. At the end of the day, I, I, Seth, I think two, two really good teams played an amazing football game. Really, my only takeaway is Justin Herbert is here. If you didn't think he was a superstar before, get the fuck on board and get ready for this Chargers team to make a run. They remain my Super Bowl loser pick. Not much else, not much else to say about the Chargers. They have been on fire. Mike Williams, I think he's the, the number one wide receiver in L.A. right now. Keenan Allen has been solid. He's probably the best possession receiver in the NFL. He doesn't drop anything and runs great routes and has the middle of the field covered unlike any other. But Mike Williams has been doing it all this season, and he's been an absolute playmaker and stud. He's, he's been a difference maker, honestly, on that offense for them. That's why this offense, I think, has taken a big step is because Mike Williams has taken a big step. That offense really isn't any different than they were last year. It's just Mike Williams is doing everything now. He's not just running straight down the field anymore. The Browns, I mean, honestly, they played better on offense than I thought, and they're doing it without... I think the biggest disappointment on that team, and it's continued to carry over from the last couple seasons, is Odell Beckham. Irrelevant on this team. Two uh, catches a, in a game where they scored 42 points. Right. He He's had a couple games where he's looked good, and even like his first game back against Minnesota, he was showing some flashes. I'm like, okay, this could be good for them, and I guess this is his second game back, but this is dating back to, to last year when he was healthy and the year before when he joined them, like... He is a pedestrian wide receiver on that team, and I don't know why, because he is he is one of the most talented guys on the field. I just don't think it's a good fit for him there, honestly. I know that uh, Jarvis Landry is going to be back soon, and he is, I mean, talk about possession receivers. He's the definitional one. And Joku looked good. So, I don't know. Like, impressive that they put up 42 for the Browns, because that's not something that they typically do or need to do because they play such good defense and run the ball super well and they ran the ball super well in this game it's just Chargers look great they look really really great right now so bummer for the Browns but Chargers are they're a tough team Browns have had two maybe the two best losses this year and so for Mayfield this is the game you don't expect him to be able to play so like even in a loss I think Mayfield showed like Let's 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 maybe leave Baker Mayfield alone a little bit because without without his top receiver and with Odell Beckham not performing, he goes for three hundred two scores, no picks. So Mayfield is not the problem on this day. So uh, nice and game by Cleveland. He's playing with a torn. I think it's his non-throwing shoulder, but he's playing with a torn labrum, partially torn labrum too. Playing well and he's playing tough. He, you know he's had a couple of bad throws here and there, but and you know pro- probably because of the the issues with his shoulder. But he's a guy that I thought when they drafted him was a bad pick and to his credit he's played really really well for them I guess other than his first season but since then he's played really really well and been a good leader for that team 
I can't wait for, to see these two teams play again in the playoffs, and I think it's going to happen. Baker Mayfield playing well. You know who's playing very well and all of a sudden seems like a real threat in the NFC? The Dallas Cowboys. They get to 4-1. and one. They cover their 7.5-point spread over the visiting New York Giants, 44-20. to 20. And boy, were they clicking. Dak goes for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. Ezekiel Elliott, 110 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Tony Pollard also had 75 yards, so they ran it all over New York in this one. Uh, C.D. Lamb led receivers, four catches, 84 yards and a touchdown, 60 yards and a touchdown for Amari Cooper, who I played. Cowboys looked really good, especially offensively. Giants did not. Uh, 196 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions for Mike Glennon who ended up being the lead passer in this one because Daniel Jones goes out. uh, Very nasty concussion. One of those where they didn't even need to check him. Like you could see, holy shit, he's concussed. Trying to make a play on the run at the goal line and gets his head smacked. So we'll see for Jones how much time he misses, but kind of a bonehead play there. This team is super beat up. Daniel Jones out. Saquon Barkley goes out with an ankle injury. I've not yet seen what his timetable is, and they're already missing Kenny Galladay. So... This is a Giants team that, yeah, they put up 20 points, uh, which is, you know, not nothing uh, against a a pretty good Cowboys defense. Giants are going to be an easy win for a few weeks. Uh, They've got the Rams coming to town, and I think that one's going to be ugly because all their top guys are hurt. Do have to highlight, have to highlight Trevon Diggs, the rookie for Dallas. He's now got six picks in the five games. So if you're thinking about defensive rookie of the year, he may have that sealed up now if he stopped playing. Where's the ceiling for this team? Are you, is this a team that should be in our Super Bowl bubble? They look really good, and they don't look like they have a lot of weaknesses. All of a sudden, a very scary place to go play is Dallas. Yeah, they're close for me. They're, I mean, they're. I think they're they're a pretty clear cut playoff team at this point for me. Uh, you know, again, barring injuries, but they were doing this in offense last year. They were putting up forty points a game. They just weren't able to do anything on defense, and they were losing close. They were losing games forty four to forty six, and the other team was scoring forty six. <laughs> and so now this year, they're holding teams to twenty. They're holding teams to thirty. Still not great in terms of the overall numbers, but when you're scoring that many points, it doesn't fucking matter. You know, you can give up thirty five, and if as long as you're scoring forty doesn't matter that's a win so they're getting turnovers they're getting sacks like sound like a broken record here with them but they're very impressive and they're close to a super bowl team for me they're doing it on the ground like zeke looks like a brand new fucking running back right now (laughs) yeah watch watching him play football like he looks like he did four years ago that's been i mean that line's been healthier and they're Still missing Lael Collins, who went out week one with uh, suspension. So that offensive line is only going to get better. Super impressive. Yeah, Trevon Diggs has another pick. He's had a pick every single week so far. And they're still missing DeMarcus Lawrence. So they're going to get better on defense, too. Like, they're a tough team. And I know they haven't played a lot of, like, great competition so far, um, minus, like, the Chargers, I guess. But the ceiling is pretty high for them right now, I think. The one the one bright spot I will say about the, the Giants is I was very – critical of Kadarius Tony being the draft pick for them in the first round and he has been the lone bright spot of an offense so far they probably more than anything wasted their money on Galladay who has not been good and has not been healthy because Kadarius Tony has been a stud I think he's had 100 yards back-to-back weeks he is just making people look stupid with some of the cuts he's he's been making he is he is extremely shifty he's all over the place he is he is fun to watch and could potentially be a staple that offense for some time him Barkley and potentially Daniel Jones because Daniel Jones has played well too it's just defensively they haven't been good and there hasn't been a lot of protection for Daniel Jones either so I think there's there's some there's some some bright spots in that offense for the Giants but 
tough for them because they have played a lot of teams pretty pretty tough so far this season. Just things haven't gone their way, and you know they they're a void of talent in a lot of areas. So rooting for Kadarius Tony, especially because he's going to be on my fantasy bench for a little bit, and you know maybe he could turn into the next Odell Beckham. And uh, also, um, just want to give a little shout out to uh, Jaron Curse, who uh, on the play that Daniel Jones, you know, fucking decided he wanted to turn his brain into soup, saw that Daniel Jones was like stumbling around and like clearly wasn't all there and so went over and helped him stay up upright and and got help for him and jaron curse plays on the cowboys so good to see him do that that was a nice nice gesture uh, for someone who was obviously a big rival and clearly saw someone hurt so props to to curse on that one former viking by the way it's where he learned uh, he's got those midwest values let's go to arizona the cardinals are now five and oh they get a win at home and they cover the five and a half point spread against the visiting san francisco 49ers who fall to two and three Final score of this one was 17 to 10. And I think this is one that wasn't as competitive as that makes it sound. Defensively, the Niners did the best jobs anyone has done so far at containing this Cardinals offense. Kyler Murray had 239 yards and a touchdown, and he only ran for one yard. So they kept him penned in. Rondale Moore was the lead rusher, 38 yards. James Conner had 29 and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins, top receiver, six catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown pass. A touchdown pass that, by the way, I called. Uh, They got a big play to Hopkins to get down to like the eight or whatever. And then I was like, there's no way you don't go right back to him for the touchdown. And they did it on a fade. And he is, oof, he's up there. I I agree with what you said earlier. Devontae Adams, I would still say, is the best receiver in football. DeAndre Hopkins, I I think, would probably take offense to us saying that uh, at the very least. Cardinals defense got it done in a major way. They held Trey Lance to 192 yards and an interception. Lance, by the way, dealing with injury. So we'll see what uh, San Francisco will do. I think he might be missing some significant time. So we'll see what they do at quarterback. Lance was the leading rusher in this one as well with 89 yards. Debo Samuel led receivers, three catches, 58 yards. So not a lot of offense to speak of for San Francisco. The defense played well, but I think we're seeing what this Niners team is. You know, a lot of people have them in the Super Bowl bubble. You and I have been saying no this whole time. And against this level of competition, they didn't show us much. So Arizona, nice win against a tough division rival. Arizona is going to be a really tough place to go play this year. Fans are going to be all about this team as they continue forward. So still like Arizona, still look great. San Francisco's got some quarterback things to figure out with injuries. So this could be the start of a slide that keeps them out of the playoffs, which is welcome news for me. So I want to see the Rams and Cardinals race this one out. So good game in the NFC West here, Seth. Good teams win ugly. I mean, they were in control for the game, but um, closer than they want it to be. Lance is a guy that I think looks good in spots. So he has the rushing ability that like Garoppolo doesn't. But in terms of his throwing, it, you know, it's pretty clear why they didn't want to get rid of Garoppolo and why they wanted him to, you know, continue to be the starter. And that's he's just a better overall quarterback right now. Lance will can definitely get there and he showed a lot of flashes and, you know, needs some work and could very well be a future MVP, but right now Garoppolo is the better option. And I think Garoppolo could be back this week. You know, his his injury is uh, I think was like a calf contusion, so not something that's like a season ender or even, you know, t- potentially a multi-week thing, but we've seen Garoppolo, he's a little bit more of an injury-prone guy, so they might give him a little more time. Debo Samuel has been great this year though. Really really come on, come on as a, or come into his own as a receiver, taking some snaps in the backfield as well. Kittle is kind of up and down too like that offense just seems really out of sync and and disjointed a bit this year even with Garoppolo in there so they're thin like we talked about they're a thin team they they don't have a lot of depth and 
when player isn't playing well and there's not a lot to step up and when someone gets hurt there's not a lot of people to step up so kind of a bummer for the Niners but the Cardinals man I mean Kyler Murray and that team they're they're very impressive I did see Chandler Jones I think is on the COVID list so that might be a big loss for them this week but ultimately there's a ton of talent on that team and they're fun to watch one one key thing, Max Williams, tight end for yeah, Arizona, season-ending knee injury. That's right from the Cardinals. So it's a big loss. He was coming on really strong. Still lots of great talent on this offense, but uh, we hope Williams a speedy recovery. All right, let's get to Sunday night football. We were in Kansas City where the Chiefs lost 20-38 to against the visiting Buffalo Bills. It was a weird game. There was a rain delay in the middle of it, wet game. There's a lot of weird bounces and things. Chiefs fans will want to make excuses out of those things. Do not let them. The Chiefs got their asses kicked by Buffalo. And I know that's a weird thing to hear because the Chiefs do not tend to get their asses kicked. I, I, I've not seen this stat, but I would bet this is their biggest margin in a loss, probably since Mahomes has been there and probably for a long time before then even. So they've been good for a while. I don't say that just to shit on the Chiefs, though. What I mean to say is that Buffalo is fucking great. That's a really, really good team. And... We've been talking about Arizona being like damn near perfect as a football team. The Bills are maybe a little bit closer to perfect than Arizona is. The Bills played excellent defense against Mahomes. He was held to 272 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. At least one of those was off a bounce. I can't remember the second one. Mahomes played as well as he could have in this one. I think you're going to see some stats over the course of this season from Mahomes that make him look not as good, but don't let, don't be fooled by that. He's doing what he can. This team around him is not performing. To give you an example of this, Mahomes led in rushing with 61 yards. Edwards Hilaire goes down with an injury in this one. Sounds like he's going to be out for some time. So keep an eye on that. McCole Hardman was the top receiver for the Chiefs with 76 yards. Travis Kelsey had a touchdown and 57. Tyreek Hill, who's dealing with some injuries, seven catches, 63. This was a game though, where the Bills were doing it so easily like it did not look difficult at all Chiefs defense sucks don't get me wrong but Allen looked amazing 15 completions 315 yards and three touchdowns at one point Josh Allen was four for four and passes that traveled over 25 yards in the air <laughs> these guys are getting so open and he's hitting them in stride every time they're getting deep touchdowns and it's really hard to defend a team that can score from anywhere on the field. Allen led in rushing for this team, too, 59 yards and a score. Dawson Knox had three catches for 117 and a score. Stephon Diggs had 69 yards. And Emmanuel Sanders, who we've been talking about, I loved this addition in the offseason. He had 54 yards and two touchdowns. I know the Chiefs aren't the Chiefs, right? Like, I think it's we've seen that the last couple of weeks. The Bills came down and slapped him around in a way we have not seen in a while. A lot of people are saying the Bills are the best team in football. I don't have an argument against them right now. I put the Bills and then the Cardinals in a gap before everybody else, frankly, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody wants to play Buffalo right now. I agree with you, and I'm will, I'm I'm ready now. Uh, I said it last week. I'm officially changing my Super Bowl pick for the Ooh! AFC. And overall, uh, I think the Bills right now are my pick to win the Super Bowl. So oh, officially shit. switching that. The Bills are my new pick. They're fucking like Stone Cold Steve Austin in 1999 right now. There's like glass shattering, shattering, and they're coming out there and just stomping mud holes in everyone and walking it dry, uh, and then fucking drinking beers afterwards. Like I'm in the last couple of weeks, they've been fucking just demolishing teams that are clearly not as good as them, and like just completely smoking them. But they whooped Kansas City's ass 
like you said, and they barely broke a sweat, it looked like. You know, like, this team is fucking dangerous. The thing, too, that, like, makes them so good, and I think, again, puts them above the Cardinals, is that defense. They are not, not only are they scoring, you know, 30, 40 points, 50 points on teams, but they're then not allowing teams to score on the other end. Holding the Chiefs to 20 points, there's not many teams that can do that. Bad as the G- Chiefs have been, or at least, you know, the losses the Chiefs have had, they're still putting up points on people. Like, that offense is still great. Still one of the best offenses in the NFL, but they got held to 20. Like, that's at home on in prime time on Sunday Night Football. That's so hard to do, and in bad weather. Like, that is so hard to do, and they did it. So uh, props to the Bills. I think this was the game I needed to see to be like, yeah, this team is my Super Bowl favorite, and they are. Like, this, they're awesome. They're an awesome team. So congrats to the Bills. I think we'll be seeing them in uh, in February. It, it's really hard to argue against. There's some teams that I think could compete with the Bills, but... We just haven't seen any team whip ass like this. It's it's hard to win in the NFL at all. It's hard to beat bad teams by big margins. It's really hard to beat very recent Super Bowl champions by big margins. <laughs> Was it last week or the week before they didn't let the team that they play score at all? Like zero points. They shut 40 out. to nothing. Yeah. yeah, one, one the of the last two weeks, 40 to nothing. It's a, They're like the high school team that has a bunch of future NBA guys on it, except for right. some reason they're getting to play in the Northeast Iowa Conference and just walk, <laughs> walk over everyone. The picture, and if you haven't seen it, look up the clip of Josh Allen hurtling a defender to get a first down in the fourth quarter amazing play i was at a bar watching this game lost my shit like that play and this game and just everything about the bills like i have reasons for not wanting the bills to be great i can't deny it this is a really really good team they're terrifying nobody nobody wants to play them there was a really really good nice competitive game on monday night football as well baltimore at home sneakily gets to four and one on the season they lead the AFC North. They beat the Colts in this one by a score of 31 to 25. The spread here was six and a half. So if you picked the Colts, you were a winner. This is one I actually did not get to watch. And I'm told it was insane. I can tell you from looking at the stat lines, it was definitely insane. Lamar Jackson, 37 of 43, 442 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. I'm not going to say anything bad about Lamar Jackson's passing again. And I think everyone else should also stop. You don't do this, even against a bad defense, you don't do this if you suck at passing. He also led in rushing. He had 62 yards. Lamar Jackson accounted for 504 yards of offense himself. Mark Andrews was the biggest receiver. 11 catches, 147, two touchdowns. Yes, I was playing against him in fantasy. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, Marquise Brown, who was on my fantasy bench, had nine catches for 125 yards and two touchdowns. Not a great day for me but a really good day for that Ravens offense. The Colts were game competitors, though, the entire way. Carson Wentz had his best game of the year, 25 of 35, 402 yards, two touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor had 53 yards and a score on the ground. He also led in receiving yardage with 116 and another score. Michael Pittman had six catches, 89 yards, and a score as well. This is one of those games that whoever came out of this with the win was going to get a huge boost from this game, especially in primetime. It goes to the Ravens, now 4-1, and 
I haven't been very high on them, but Lamar Jackson is playing well enough. If he continues this, and if the team continues to solidify around him, this looks to me like a playoff team. The Colts, though, one and four, showed a lot of promise here, a lot of growth, especially Wentz, as you mentioned to me before the show, has played very well, especially when he's been healthy and he hasn't really been healthy. So the Colts, you got to be encouraged, but that one and four hole is a big one to have to dig mm-hmm. out of, even in a down year for the AFC South. Love, love what I saw or what I see in the stat line from Lamar Jackson and, and the Ravens on this one. Colts, encouraging, but long road to hoe here if they want to get back into competition. Yeah, that'll be tough for them. Carson Wentz has been good, very good uh, in the last couple of weeks. Just, yeah, tough. That defense hasn't played well. The line hasn't played well. Running backs have played, or Taylor specifically has played well, but a couple bad breaks for the Colts. With uh, the Ravens, like you mentioned, Lamar Jackson has been amazing this year. They're another one, like, with, with Wilson. Like, that team goes as far as, as Jackson takes them, and so far this season he's taken them far <laughs> i think he's up there and the, i think it's him and murray for the mvp discussion right now which is very early to do but i think if you're if you were to talk about two you know the top two players in that in that mvp race right now i think it's those two they're definitely carrying their teams the other thing so this is definitely mark andrews best game this season he's been kind of up and down but who hasn't been up and down is marquise brown um, mm-hmm. he's looking like his cousin, Antonio Brown, back when he was playing on the Steelers, mid-2010s, uh, he's been awesome this year. He's been just every bit of that first-round pick that they spent on him uh, a few years ago. And it took a couple years for him and Lamar to get some of that chemistry going and for him to, to get up to speed in the NFL. But he has been just fantastic this year. He's been open a lot more. He's had a lot of deep touchdowns as well. But he is getting some of the, the middle-of-the-field work too. And uh, he's been his number one receiver, number one target. So... Good to see Marquise Brown, uh, Hollywood Brown, getting going. So weirdly enough, it's the the running game of the Ravens is like their weakness, which has never really been the issue for them in the past. But they're trotting out a bunch of old guys right now, uh, and who aren't really getting the job done. So it's on Lamar. It's on him to for him to run the ball and for him to to throw for 400 yards. Apparently, so the Ravens will go as far as he takes them. After the controversial record tying last week against Denver, the streak got broken. They did not get 100 yards rushing for the first time in 40 games or however many. I don't think they're upset by that, though. This was a great win for Baltimore, great win for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, it's going to be interesting in that AFC. There's a lot of really good teams at the top. That is the week that was. A lot of really good games. I think we're starting to see the layers kind of take shape. Like, we, we know who's good, we know who's bad. Uh, And there's not a ton in the middle, interestingly. So getting into week six, we're going to preview those games in just a second. But uh, a lot of exciting things going on around the league. Let's check on those dollar dollar bills and see how Seth Betts did this past week. Show me the money! Not great. Um, (laughs) Didn't hit any uh, parlays or DraftKings. Been kind of a dry spell here on that. But was able to take advantage of some super boosts that they had this week that were pretty cool. Had Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes to each have a passing touchdown in each half. That hit at plus 350. Had a Pat McAfee super boost for the Cardinals to cover five and a half. So that obviously hit. Uh, that was at plus 120. Um, and then my favorite one of this week, which actually came down pretty close to the wire, was all of the afternoon and late games. So the noon games here and the three three o'clock games here for every team to score one or more touchdowns. And that came down to the end of the, it was the Raiders game. They scored a touchdown, I think in the fourth quarter, sealed that one. So either late in the third or the fourth. Um, and that was at plus 300 as well. So again, once again, I had a bunch of parlays that missed by one leg. The 
Bengals game, uh, I needed T. Higgins to get 30 more yards, and he didn't. That Dallas game, I needed Saquon to score a touchdown, and he left early. Just a lot of bad breaks this week, but might might have to approach the the parlays in a, maybe in a different manner, just kind of playing around with different stuff, but eventually I'll get back on track. It happens. Long season. A lot of money out there still to get. I won a few bucks this week. I took the Bills. I called the Bills blowout. I, I said they, I, my, I bet the margin of victory from 13 to 18 points. So the 18-point victory got me paid. So it was a, a positive week for me, uh, and I needed it. So looking forward to this weekend. One item before we move on from the betting, though, there's been a change, Seth, a meaningful one. The Bills are now the best odds in the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the Super Bowl. Bills are plus 550, then the Bucks at plus 600, which I, I think is too good. I, I think this Bucks team is more vulnerable than people want to talk about. And then uh, the Chiefs now down to plus 750. Vegas agrees with you that it's time to swap your AFC favorite over to the Buffalo Bills. So more money to be made this week, but that's how we did in week five. Show me the money! Time to look forward to week number six. Get you ready for this weekend's game. Here are the previews. It's coming right for us! Don't forget Pigskin Pick'em. Click the link in the description box to play along with us. Week six here starts on Thursday night. The Bucks will go to Philly to play the Eagles in Thursday night football. I have thought about this a lot today, this game. I'm trying to hit a very small point. Like if the game flow goes one specific way, then I think the Eagles will keep it close. I need a game to, I need to, I need to take a risk on a game to get maybe back into the mix here at the top of our list. So I am gonna take the Eagles plus six and a half. I think like eight out of the ten ways this game goes are the Bucks in a blowout, but I'm hoping for one of the two where Jalen Hurts has a huge game. Maybe they keep it close at home. So Eagles plus six and a half for me. Yeah, this one. It's a big spread, I think. It looks like the weather should be pretty nice. That's the one thing to me. It's like, this is a bad weather game. It's definitely going to be close. I'm going to go with the Bucks though, uh, on this one. I just think that they're, they're kind of riding high on offense after last week. So, primetime Tom. I think he's going to come out there and score a lot of points. I don't anticipate a lot of points in this next game. Sunday in London, the Jags and Dolphins. Dolphins are three and a half point favorites. I'm going to take the dogs. Give me Jacksonville on the road. They're, they play in London often. Um, and so I think some of the players, there's not a lot of players who've been there for long, but maybe a touch of an advantage. And uh, in a game that I think is going to be like nine to six, I'll take the three and a half. So Jags. Let me ask you this. Looking to put together my, my parlay this week. The Jags are uh, technically home dogs, plus 154. Dolphins are bad right now. Not sure if Tua is going to play or not. He may be back this week. Dolphins are on a slide. Jacksonville has played tough. Do you think they get the win this week? Do I think they win it? Oh, that's tough. Here's what I think. There's nothing about Miami's offense that is remotely interesting to me. So, mm-hmm. like, you can the Jacksonville defense is weak, but who cares? And they've been competing, Jacksonville. You think about the Thursday night game against Cincinnati. Lawrence played pretty well. I don't know. There's a real good chance they lay a complete stinker. I don't know that I would put them in a parlay, but uh, just with the money line on the Jags, I, I kind of like it as a long shot. All right. I'll, that That's one in play. I have two that I'm certain that I want to put in this parlay, but I'm, I'm kind of hinging on a, th- on a third between three team, three games. So I'll come back and we'll, we'll make a decision at the end for the parlay this week. So yeah, I like the plus three and a half. Back in the States in Chi-Town, the Bears are home dogs. <laughs> to the Green Bay Packers, who are coming into town. It's a four-and-a-half-point spread. I think the Packers are going to cover. Chicago's defense has been tough, but I think Rodgers and, and Adams, there's there's no answer for them on Chicago's defense. I like a ton of points. 
Yeah, I agree with you on this one. Packers, I mean, they are coming off, a, off of a pretty emotional lot or win this last week. Uh, might be a little exhausted from that one, but they always show up against the Bears. So yeah, I'm going to go with Packers on this one. Let's go to Detroit. 0-5 Lions trying to get their first win against the Bengals, who are coming into town. The Bengals are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I haven't heard anything that suggests that Burrow is a threat to miss this game. If Burrow misses this game, I would switch this pick. But I am going to take the Bengals to cover here. This line feels perfect to me, though. Detroit has mm-hmm. been close in all their games, and Cincinnati is their best shot in a, in a few weeks now at getting that first home win. So I'm not going to be surprised if, if a lot of folks take Detroit, but give me, give me Burrow to, to get back on the winning track here uh, in Detroit. Yeah, I agree with this. I agree with you on this one. I just think that offensively, the Bengals, I think, are a lot better than the Lions. I and mean, then I think they'll be able to put up a lot of points here. Indianapolis will host the Texans. Uh, both teams are one and four. Colts are 10 and a half point favorites. This may surprise folks, but I am going to take them to cover in this one. Yeah. I think building off of the momentum from the Monday night game, offensively and defensively, they looked nice. I don't think Texans are going to be able to hang, and uh, I like Wentz to have a huge game in this one. So I like a player prop for him as well. So give me the Colts at home, minus 10.5. Yeah, I think they need they need a statement win here to get them back on track, and they need to beat the Texans by a couple scores. So going with the Colts on this one as well. Uh, big spread in New York, too. The Giants are home dogs. <laughs> Plus 10.5 against the visiting L.A. Rams, who will definitely cover this one because everyone on yeah. the New York Giants offense is hurt. Uh, the Rams might Mike win this Glennon. one. For, yeah, Mike Glennon. Aaron Donald's going to be eating a Mike Glennon sandwich in this one. Ew. And uh, even if it's 14-0, to zero, the Rams will have covered. So, uh, yeah, easy one for me. I agree. All right, we go to Washington. Football team, home dogs. <laughs> plus six and a half against the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to make an example of Washington, and I just have not been impressed whatsoever. Could be competitive. Six and a half is a widespread for the Chiefs that never cover, but give me a bounce back game here. Yeah, I never picked the Chiefs to cover, so this might be a mistake, but I'm going to, in this case, I just think, like you said, they need need to come out. As bad as the Colts need to come out and dominate, the Chiefs need to. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Washington defense has shown that they can't, do anything so i think the chiefs win by at least two touchdowns here just to reiterate that need for the chiefs to win if they fall to two and four we're gonna have to start thinking like mathematically how will they get back into the conversation (laughs) for their division championship i love to think of a world where the chiefs don't make the playoffs but i don't think we're there yet (laughs) very interesting game in carolina the panthers are one and a half point favorites against your minnesota vikings who are coming to town i'm going to take the panthers to cover here because i think they played their worst game last week and the Vikings didn't impress me against Detroit. I'm not going to be surprised if Kirk Cousins throws for 350 and they they win convincingly, but I'm going to take Carolina to bounce back at home. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Actually on FanDuel, Carolina is home dogs, but I can't ever put they were one of the teams I was thinking about, but I can't. I mean, I could do reverse psychology and be like, "Oh, if the Vikings lose, they still have that." No, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to touch that game. <laughs> Don't do it. But yeah, I am going with the minus one and a half here. All right, so we like the Panthers at home. This has game of the week potential all over it. The Ravens are at home in Baltimore. They're three and a half point favorites against my LA Chargers. I think it's too wide. I think two and a half might have made more sense, uh, and I might might have thought harder about it. I don't see Baltimore blowing the Chargers out at all. So if I'm getting the Chargers plus three and a half, I like this one. But watch out for this as a potential game of the week. The next game we talk about is might argue with it, but give me the Chargers and the points. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you that on that one. And this is one, the, the Chargers plus 136 money line. I think the Chargers win this one. And I think they win this one 
I think kind of convincingly, to be honest. Baltimore has played, I mean, like we talked about, Jackson's played really well, but this I think this is the best team that the, the Ravens have played so far. And the Ravens have played not great against bad teams. Like, I mean, the Raiders are not a great team. Colts are not a great team. Like, the four, I think their 4-1 and one is not maybe the, the most real 4-1 and one out there. So I think the Chargers win, and they're going to be the first the first sure leg of that, that money line this week. Ooh, money live madness. I love that. Hey, if I can make money on Justin Herbert, you bet your ass I'm doing that. So <laughs> love the charge. Talk about a statement win. If the Ravens do get this one, we're going to have to take them seriously. If the Chargers win convincingly in Baltimore, I'm going to be asking you who your AFC pick is again next yeah, week. Nah, I don't I don't think they're jumping the bills, but no. Uh, <laughs> They'll, they'll get a lot more uh, league-wide respect, I think. So watch out for the Chargers and Ravens this weekend. The other, I think, game of the week candidate here is Cleveland at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Cleveland is two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I don't like it. I'm going to no. take Arizona plus the points. I think Cleveland has a chance to win this game, but I don't like giving points away against Arizona. So mark my words though, this has, this is very, this is maybe the best shot yet besides the Rams game for Arizona's first loss going into Cleveland, but I I can't eat two and a half and this Arizona offense. I agree with you. And they're the second sure thing in my, my parlay this week, plus 148. I think they win this one. Uh, I like the plus two and a half obviously here, but I like them to win and I'm putting them in that parlay. There you go. So Chargers and Cards. There's not going to be a lot of weeks where you're going to see both those as dogs, so it's a great opportunity Mm -hmm. to get some money. Let's go to Denver. Broncos are minus 3.5 against the division rival LA, or LA, LV Raiders. This spread feels a touch too wide, but I am going to take Denver here. I don't think this Raiders defense is, is going to put the clamps on Bridgewater. So I think he's got to bounce back, getting further away from that concussion. And a lot of turmoil this week in the Vegas locker room, a lot of distractions. Uh, I don't know that they're going to come out super ready to play. So uh, Denver at home, minus three and a half. I'm going to go with the Raiders on this one, actually. They're, they're another team that I was thinking about with that parlay. And I'm kind of actually leaning back more towards uh, getting the, the Panthers at home as dogs up going that way. L- let me think about it just a little bit longer before I do that. But I'm going with the Raiders in this one. I think last week, there was just a lot going on with the stuff with Gruden. Now that he's out of there, I know they really like the coach who's stepped in now. I think this team has played well. You know, I'm, I'm not super high on them, but I also think I'm not super high on the Broncos right now either. They've kind of taken a step back too. So I'm going with the Raiders on this one, the plus three and a half. I just think that they, they, I think they need to come out and make a statement after everything that's gone on. It can go one of two ways after a firing, and, and we're betting on opposite. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes in Denver. We go to Foxborough. The New England Patriots are at home, plus four and a half points. So they're home dogs against the Dallas Cowboys. Four and a half seems like way too few points. I'm taking the Cowboys to win by multiple touchdowns in this. FanDuel Sportsbook, by the way, has Cowboys minus three and a half. I already love this bet at four and a half. I will be putting cash on it at three and a half. I think this is an easy one. Dallas on the road. Yep, I agree with you on this one. I think they're going to win this one pretty easily. All right, now onward to Pittsburgh. Sunday night football, kind of a bummer Sunday night football matchup, but we got Pittsburgh against the Seattle Seahawks, the Russell Wilson-less Seattle Seahawks. Pittsburgh are four-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going to be forced to take them in this game because the Seahawks without Wilson seem like nothing to me. I don't love it. I don't like picking the Steelers, but uh, I'll take them at home uh, to cover against Seattle, who I don't think will be able to score. Yeah, I don't love it either. I don't love – definitely think the Steelers win. But I'm gonna go, I'm gonna switch it up. This is gonna be a toss up. This is all gonna depend on how Geno Smith plays. 
I'm going to go with the Seahawks just for the fuck of it here. Yeah, you looking at that 184 money line? No, no, no. <laughs> All right, Monday night football. I'm excited to see this game. It's in Tennessee, the Titans, plus five and a half against the visiting Buffalo Bills. It, it's it's a weird thing because I, I like the Titans in general. I think the Bills are just going to beat the fuck out of this team. Like the Titans defense is a napkin and the Bills' strength on defense is their rush defense. So how do you neutralize Derrick Henry? Get ahead early and make him pass. I think that's exactly how this game goes. Take the Bills to cover. I would take this if it was Bills minus 7.5. I know it seems crazy, but uh, I think this train keeps rolling. Yeah, I agree with you on this one, uh, especially with how well their defense is playing, taking the Bills there. I made a decision. I'm going to go with the best-case scenario here in terms of if the Vikings lose, I win potentially. So I'm going to take, you know, you really don't get the Panthers at home plus money. They're plus 102 on FanDuel. I think that's, that, that'd be dumb not to take because everywhere else has them as with getting point or yet yeah, minus points. So I'm going to go with the Panthers. I'm going to go, I'm going to put them in my parlay. So my parlay, Chargers, money line, Cardinals, money line, Panthers, money line, all dogs plus 1,082. I'm going to go with that parlay this week. So that is the money line madness. I don't have a, I don't have anything because I was it was going to be all ro- uh, road dogs this week so it was going to be the Jesse James Mister Ass <laughs> Parlay but the Panthers are at home so money line madness make me feel sad Parlay if the Vikings lose I like it I like the Panthers as home dogs just as a point of reference you had asked about the Jags if you replace the Panthers with the Jags and do that mm-hmm. same three leg parlay your odds do go up to plus one one thousand three hundred eighty six. I yeah. may play both of those just kind of to have alts, but uh, either of those I, I do kind of like as the parlay. If you do go four legs, uh, I wouldn't advise on it, but it's plus 2,902 if you're looking to get frisky on that one. So I like those picks. I like them as I always do. So that's what we got coming up this week. Uh, week six promises to be a good one. It's coming right for us! And that means that we are just about done getting you ready for the week. Seth, I do have to ask before we uh, get into one more thing here. You said you were changing the Bills. Are you keeping the Bucks from the NFC in your Super Bowl pick update? I am for now, yeah. I, I still think with how Tom Brady's playing, it's it's hard not to say Tom Brady isn't going to be in the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> If the Bills had a chance to play Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, they would love to beat his ass. So, <laughs> Yeah, uh... that's true. That That's a storyline right there. That that could be, I mean, if, you're look, if fate is a thing, if you believe in fate and destiny, that's a good one. That's a good story. <laughs> that, that writes itself. Could be wild. That'd be fun. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get let's get you out of here, folks. Right after one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I want to issue a shame on you to the NBC Sports crew from Sunday Night Football. If you watched the Sunday Night game, Chiefs and Bills, you you know that there was a long rain delay over halftime, about an hour went by between the first and second half. And I was so fucking bored. Like they showed me the same highlights like three or four times and highlights from bad games of, with teams that don't matter. They kept showing the same highlights and they had in a room, Tony Dungy and they had Drew Brees in that room. And if you need to vamp for an hour, why don't you just ask Drew Brees what it's like to play in high-profile quarterback matchups. You got Josh Allen and Mahomes. Ask Breeze what it was like to play against Manning and let fucking Tony Dungy talk about it. There's so many things they could have done besides just showing me repeated highlights, and I know you didn't plan on having an hour, but use what you have in the room and just let Drew Brees tell me stories. I was so disappointed in that. I obviously, I was at a bar, so I was still having fun, but I was like, how the hell, why am I watching the highlights from the Bears game again when I could be listening to Drew Brees talk about playing in the Super Bowl? So shame on you, NBC, for not taking advantage 
into what you got in what I admit is a tough situation for you. <laughs> I fell asleep. So you had uh, Dan Campbell on Sunday uh, after the game uh, had a had his press conference and uh, you know clearly sad and beaten up after the the loss, which was a tough loss. I mean, he's had a lot of tough losses this year. We talked earlier back to back fifty plus yard field goals to lose the game. Really bought in there. Loves his team. Of course, he uh, you know his team loves him too. And and you know of course that's a it's with a tough loss like that, anyone would be emotional. And during his press conference, he he shed a few tears. And you know I felt bad for him. I, I really like the guy, Motor City Dan Campbell, MCDC. It just seems like he's he's a good dude and and is doing a lot of good for that team. And I think they have a bright future with him as the coach, just tough for him. So I felt bad. Uh, you know, it was funny too. Like when they kicked that field goal, um, the Vikings kicked that field goal and drove down. Obviously I was happy that they won, but I also kind of felt bad because they, you know, they cut to, to the lion sideline and Dan Campbell and you could just see the disappointment on their face immediately. And, you know, I'm nothing against the lions. I, you know, I like them as a team and they've upset the Vikings a couple of times over the years, but you know, uh, it, that's tough for them. I, I'm really rooting for them to get to get some wins this year and, and to kind of move forward. DeAndre Swift is helping out my fantasy team this year, so I like that. But, yeah, tough for Motor City Dan Campbell. I hope that he can get a win and, you know, keeps that team bought in with him because he seems like he's moving them uh, on the right on the right path. So if you get a chance to check out the press conference, you know, I, I've, I haven't seen a lot of coaches be emotional during week five. But honestly, I don't mind it. I think that, you know, it shows that he really does care about that team and he wants them to to win and do better because he knows they're close. They've had a lot of close games. As little talent that they really have on that team, they're really, really fighting tough this year. So shout out to, to MCDC and, you know, people are giving him grief. I don't think he's quite deserving of that grief. He should uh, He should be praised for showing his emotions out there. Totally agree with you. Anyone who's given Dan Campbell shit needs to fuck off because I bet you that there are some fans in Jacksonville who would love for their coach to give this much of a shit. And these guys are their their game. I learned everything I needed to know about Dan Campbell when he decided to go for two to take the lead in the end of that game. I'm a fan of his and I'm a fan of these Lions and they will get wins. Not all records are created equal. This uh, this 0-5 is not the same as the even the Jags one and four or the Houston one and four like there are way worse places to be right now than Detroit and to have this sense of not immediate term optimism but long-term optimism that if they get the right guys in there they've got the attitude and he's such a Detroit guy he seems like so like I am I feel better about this than I do certain three and four win teams so good on you Dan Campbell and I will be rooting for your Lions every chance I get so Dan Campbell crying about the loss. I was crying out of fucking boredom during the uh, Sunday night game. That's what we got. One more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you're making some money on the bets, hitting up that money line madness parlay, and uh, hope your fantasy seasons are going well. Things starting to take shape. We're going to learn a lot more in week six, especially about some of the teams at the top. So we wish you an enjoyable football weekend. Uh, if you're looking for something to do between games, head over to sociallyconstipatedpod.com. Join the conversation in the comments, follow the social media posts, join the mailing lists, and of course, become an anchor wanker. You can also link to join our pigskin pick'em in the description box. See if you can go toe-to-toe with us. You know our picks, so if you think you can do better, go ahead and jump on into that link. We've got Entertainment Outhouse coming at you this week and back on schedule with Socially Constipated on Monday as well. So lots yet to come. But again, enjoy the football this weekend. Seth, good luck to your um, to your Vikings on the road in Carolina. Hopefully the Rams won't need luck yeah. in New York, but we'll see. Anyway, enjoy the games, folks. That's going to be it for this episode. For Seth Ott, I'm Cody Michael. 
We'll see you next time. Bye.